Christos Anesti, Aletheos Anesti. Christ is risen, Alleluia. He is risen indeed, Alleluia. Resurrection blessings to you all on this Sunday of Sundays. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it, Alleluia. This Sunday of Easter celebrates an entirely new possibility for human living, the hope of a transformation to live the divinity of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the risen Jesus breathes on his church, may each of us graciously respond to his invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on this most holy and glorious day, Easter, the sixth Sunday. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is St. Gregory of Nazianzus. He was born in the year 330 in what is now known as Nenenzi, located in southwestern Turkey. Raised in a Christian and rather comfortable household, Gregory had access to various educational opportunities, culminating in the study of rhetoric and poetry at the University of Athens. It was here that he met St. Basil, and the two formed a lifelong friendship. In time, Basil and Gregory were prepared for priestly ordination, a reality that Gregory reluctantly accepted. Gregory preferred a more monastic approach to life, especially study and prayer. As his friend Basil was shoring up the faith in the province of Caesarea, he convinced Gregory to become the bishop of Sassima. As a result of tense situations, both from within and without the diocese, Gregory returned home only to become in time what amounted to a chaplain at the chapel of the Anastasis in Constantinople. Eventually, he became the Bishop of Constantinople and was one of the leaders of the Council of Constantinople in 381. While his theological writings were a great and necessary contribution to the Council's Christology and Trinitarian theology, Gregory did not fare well with matters of administration. He was eventually deposed of both the See of Constantinople and presidency of the council, and probably hurt by his treatment, yet relieved of the burdens of office, 
he knew that he could not handle, he retired to his family's estate and spent the remainder of his life devoted to prayer and writing. History would eventually bestow the titles of the theologian and the poet upon him. He penned numerous pieces on pertinent theological and pastoral questions. Five of those treatises are known as the theological orations uh, as they dealt with Trinitarian personhood against the writings of Eunomius. He also left a corpus of other writings titled Orations, and this Sunday's excerpt is taken from his 41st oration on Pentecost. The Spirit acted first in the angelic and heavenly powers, and in those who are first after God and are around God. For it is not from elsewhere that they possess their perfection and their illumination and their difficulty or impossibility of moving towards evil, but from the Holy Spirit. Then he acted in the patriarchs and in the prophets. The first saw God in an image or knew him. The others even foreknew the future as the Spirit imprinted on the directive faculty of their souls and associated with future events as if they were present, for such is the Spirit's power. Then he acted in the disciples of Christ. For I leave aside speaking of Christ, to whom he is present, not by his action, but as accompanying one equal in honor, and this in three ways, to the extent that they were able to receive him, and on three occasions before Christ was glorified by his passion, after he was glorified by his resurrection, and after his ascension to heaven, or his restoration, or whatever it should be called. This is manifest first in purification of the sick and of the spirits, which quite clearly would not have happened without the Holy Spirit, and also the inbreathing after the resurrection, which plainly is a more divine inspiration, and now the distribution of fiery tongues, which indeed we are celebrating. However, the first manifested him indistinctly, the second more expressly, and the present one more perfectly, since he is no longer present only by an energy as at first, but in essence, if one may speak thus, coming to be with them and living with them. For it was fitting, since the Son associated with us corporally, that the Spirit also should appear corporally, 
and after Christ ascended again to his own place, that he should descend to us, coming in that he is Lord, and sent in that he is not a rival God. For such words show the harmony no less than the separation of natures. Because of this, he came after Christ, that we might not lack an advocate, but another advocate, that you might consider him of equal honor. For the other signifies another self, and this name indicates shared sovereignty, not dishonor. For I know that other is said not about those things that are different in kind, but about those that are one in essence. He comes in tongues because of his kinship with the word, and they are fiery. I wonder whether this is because of the purification, for our scripture knows also a purifying fire, as one who wishes can learn from many texts, or because of his essence. For our God is fire, and a fire-consuming wickedness, though you may again be irritated, being confined by the oneness of essence. And the tongues were distributed because of the diversity of gifts, and they rested on each because of his royal dignity and his resting upon the saints, since also the cherubim are the throne of God. And this happened in an upper chamber. If I do not appear to be more elaborate than I should, because of the ascent of those who would receive the gift and their lifting up from the earth, since also certain upper chambers are now covered with divine waters through which God is praised in song. And Jesus himself, in an upper chamber, gave communion in the mystery to those being initiated into the higher realities, to show by this, on the one hand, that God must descend to us, as I know happened formerly to Moses, and on the other hand, that we must ascend, and thus there will be a communion of God with human beings by a coalescing of dignity. As long as each remains at his own level, the one at the top, the other in lowliness, the goodness is not mingled, and the love for humankind is not shared, and a great chasm that cannot be crossed is in the middle, not only separating the rich man from Lazarus and the longed-for bosom of Abraham, but also the created and changing nature from which 
is uncreated and stable. St. Gregory of Nazianzus, pray for us. Let us pray. Grant, Almighty God, that we may celebrate with heartfelt devotion these days of joy, which we keep in honor of the risen Lord, and that what we relive in remembrance, we may always hold to in what we do. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. Bow down for the blessing. Loving God, as a mother gives life and nourishment to her children, so you watch over your church. Bless these women, that they may be strengthened as Christian mothers. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Grant that we, their sons and daughters, may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect. Grant this through Christ our Lord. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. <laughs>